welcome welcome oh you look great we've been in the 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 book of romans all summer long we started labor or memorial day and today we're wrapping it up and in romans what we've discovered is paul he's giving us it's uh, uh, the way of righteousness He's giving us a, a, an example. He begins chapters 1 through 8 really sharing the, the story of salvation, going from uh, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus at all to a more than conqueror at the end of chapter 8. And then 9, 10, and 11, he, he, he's wrestling with the question of what does it mean for his people, the Jews? And then 12 through 16, we're wrapping up 15 and 16 today. 12 through 16, he's giving us, well, how do we live out this salvation in the real world? How does it really, really work? And, and really what he's saying, when we get to now, chapters 15 and 16, he's saying, all right, this is the important thing. You know, he's wrapping up this letter to people he loves, people in Rome, the brand new baby church. He's saying, the one thing you've got to remember is we're the people of God. And we've got to continue to be the people of God. With so much craziness around us, we've got to be the people of God. Does that sound familiar? Paul's writing in the first century. We're living in the 21st century. And yet the message is still so important for us. Listen to this. Let me get to, to the page. Fifth, chapter 15. Page, page, page. Here we are. Page 64 if you're using it. This is what he writes. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. To build him up. That's pretty good advice. For Christ did not please himself, but it is written, The reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. For whatever is written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance, maybe circle endurance if you've got your journal, and through encouragement, circle encouragement too, of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance, circle that, and encouragement, circle that, grant to you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let me stop right there. Paul's talking about weak Christians and strong Christians. Last week, Pastor Tyler talked from, past, from Romans 14. He talked about how even non-Christians, everybody wants peace. Who doesn't want peace? Comes through Christ. So Paul is carrying that on in chapter 15, talking about strong Christians, weak Christians. But he's not really giving, he's not describing what a strong Christian is. He's not saying, okay, strong Christians do X, Y, and Z. And if weak Christians just did X, Y, and Z, they would be, they would be okay. That's not what he says. In fact, he gives a commonality between strong Christians and weak Christians. And do you know what that common thing is? What's common is they're both Christians. Whether they're strong or whether they're weak, they're still Christians. It goes back to Romans 10.9. We were there, I don't know, five, six weeks ago. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all it says. And that, that's not the finish line. That's the beginning point. That's the starter's gun. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That begins the journey. Paul is talking about we're all on this journey, whether you're strong, whether you're weak. If you're a Christian, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is, is who he says he is. You're a Christian. Then you begin this journey with Christ. Some of you have been Christians for years and years and years. 
You, you sang the hymn, the, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Remember that hymn? Some of you know it, and you know it's true. But some of you, you may be just beginning. It may be that you're just dipping your toe in faith. What is this thing called faith? Well, it goes back to Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It starts you on this journey. It, it, none of us, none of us, not a single one of us have made it. None of us have crossed the finish line. Even Paul in Philippians 3, remember Paul in 3, said, said, not that I've obtained all this or have been made perfect. No, I press on to win the goal, to win the prize of Christ Jesus calls me heavenward. Paul is saying, even I haven't crossed the line. You kidding me? None of us have crossed the finish line. All of us need to be growing stronger, stronger, stronger in the Lord. All of us. And so some of us, we may be at the beginning of the journey. Some of us may be in the middle of the journey. Some of us may be towards the end. But none of us have made it. Remember, Paul doesn't say in Romans 10, 9, all right, if you do, you know, if you clean yourself up, if you act right, if you, you know, quit that bad habit, then if you confess with your mouth. He doesn't say any of that. He simply says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you begin the journey. It's like the old song, I think even Erica says, just as I am. You begin the journey. And, and then that journey means, you know, getting closer to Jesus. It's reading your Bible. It's getting involved with, with small groups. Hey, this next Sunday, next Sunday, we're starting Sunday school back up. Sunday school hasn't been since whatever, and Sunday school starts next Sunday. Say hoorah for Sunday school. Woo, hoorah! And if you haven't been involved in a class, then, then you can next Sunday. It's kind of like an open house. You can check out. We're starting a brand new class for young adults. Not really young. If you think, it's kind of like uh, uh, Dr. Anthony with senior adults and our seniors. He says, if you think you're a senior adult, you can be a senior adult. If you think you're a young adult, you can be in the young adult class. And so, so we're starting that. And, and uh, we had... We had a young adult class. We called it, in my last church, we called it newlyweds and nearlyweds. And we should have also called it newlyweds, nearlyweds, and probably never will wed. Um, but we started this class of, of mostly, you know, those folks who are younger and getting married or were married. And we had one couple, Carl and Norma Jean, who were participants in that Sunday school class. Carl was uh, 84 and, and Norma Jean was 80. And they went to every time that church started a newlywed class or nearlywed class or young adult class, they joined it. And so they were 84 and 80. Carl, now he's in heaven, and Norma Jean is, is past 90. And, and they were awesome. It's, it's learning from one. You need to, that's how you grow in the Lord. You, you get with a group. You, you study God's word. You learn from one another. You can do that on Wednesday nights too. This Wednesday night, our car is so excited. They're honking. They're excited about it. I am too. That's their praise of the Lord. I love outdoor services. <laughs> it's growing stronger. How do you grow stronger? What did Paul say in Romans? Or, or, or in Ephesians, rather. Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God. Putting on the armor of God, right? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. Well, the point he's trying to make here with stronger and weaker Christians is maybe, maybe they've confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart, but maybe they haven't put on that, that breastplate of righteousness yet. And maybe they haven't, maybe they haven't uh, put on the belt of truth yet. And 
we who are older, we who've been around, in Paul's language, we who have, are stronger in the faith, we need to be here for one another. That's his point. And you see what did you see what he said in in? Well, let's start in verse four. I'm going to read verse four again. For what was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures that we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement. So scripture and God himself calls us, we who are stronger, for endurance and encouragement to those who are weaker. What does that mean? Endurance, 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 it means... We sometimes bite our tongue. Can I say it that way? Sometimes we, we recognize that somebody's just new in the faith. Or maybe they're just dipping their toes in the faith. And they haven't got everything figured out. And that's okay. They're welcome. We're glad. Endurance and encouragement. I'd say, man, you're going to make it. You're just, you're just starting off. You're going to do it. You're going to make it. You're okay. Okay. Gary, Gary Cousins was telling me he ran the crim or walked the crim last week, and and how this year the crim was different. There was still a lot of racers, but there wasn't as many many spectators along the way. Those of you who ran the crim, you know that's true. There wasn't as many as in past years, and in past years, you know there'd be people, a lot of people along the way, and they'd be banging drums and saying, "You're gonna make it. Keep going. Go, 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 go." We used to that. We'd go to some friend's house and they'd have a crim party, and I always felt bad because you know I'd be eating bacon and these people would be running by and I'd be saying, "Go, you can make it." Burp. You know that sort thing I was starting to be an encourager well this year there wasn't as many encouragers and it was harder because there wasn't those people we're called to be an encourager when I went to Roseville Michigan to pastor the Nazarene Church there Carla it was 29 years ago this weekend Labor Day weekend 1992 we went to the Metropolitan Church of the Nazarene this was my first Sunday there 29 years ago and when we got to that church um, there was a lot of old folks and there was not very, there was zero, zero kids from the neighborhood that attended that church, zero. And I, and I looked at the, the census report, and our neighborhood had the most kids of any neighborhood in Roseville. But zero were coming to our church. And so I figured, okay, what we got to do is we got to get these kids. We got to get these kids. However we can get them, we got to get them. And so I, I first went to our old, our, some of our old folks. And I said, listen, we're going to start reaching uh, some of these families in the neighborhood. We were doing Growing Young before, we, before there was Growing Young. We were trying to prioritize family. You know, we have six core commitments that we empathize with today's youth and give keychain leadership and are warm and preach Jesus and are good neighbors and prioritize families. So we decided we're going to prioritize families. And I went to these older folks and I said, listen, we're going to prioritize families. I didn't use that word. I said, we're going to reach young folks and they're going to start coming. And when they start coming, you need to act like they're your grandkids. And what would happen if your grandkids came to church who, who are away from the Lord? I said, you wouldn't stay glued to your seat in the pew. No, you'd scooch to the middle and you'd say, oh, sit here, sit here, sit here. And if they started, you know, kind of uh, uh, moving around in the service or talking, you wouldn't get so upset. You'd just say, shh, quiet down. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. You'd just be glad, glad, glad that they were here and in church. I said, that's how you need to treat these new folks. So we're going to start reaching people. We're going to start reaching families. And you need to act like they're your grandkids. Can you do that? And they say, yeah, 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 we can do that. Well, we started reaching new folks. Kids started coming. Families started coming. <gasps> but you know what? This was 1992. 1992 in Nazarene Church, a conservative Nazarene Church. 1992 in a conservative Nazarene Church. I always wore a suit and tie on Sunday mornings. Always. 
and Carla always wore a dress. And in, in the winter, the women would still wear dresses, even if it was, you know, a wind chill was negative 30 or whatever. You know, it had to be that before you could put on pants almost. And we'd be in the tabernacle. It'd be 100 degrees outside, still wearing suit and ties in those days. Ah, it's awful. I'm wearing shorts. Well, some of those folks, some of those folks, they start coming to church. And guess what? Oh, my goodness, scandal alert. They were wearing shorts oh, in the church in the sanctuary wearing baseball cap in the church in the sanctuary oh. but guess what those old folks at Metropolitan did they thought of those people as their grandkids they didn't care that they were wearing shorts you kidding me? They didn't care if they had a ball cap on. Are you kidding me? It was like their grandkids. And they scooted over and they loved them and they cared for them. That's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying we've got to love, whether no matter where you are on the journey, you love one another in, through endurance. Bite your tongue, bite your tongue, bite your tongue. Through encouragement, you're going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And do you see what he says? Oh, I've got to find my place. Chapter 15, he goes on to say this. That together, that you would live in such harmony. Weak, strong, Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, everybody together. You would live in such harmony with one another and in accord with Christ Jesus. That together, you may with one voice glorify the God of our Father Jesus Christ. With one voice, hoorah, praising Jesus. That's what we're called to do, with one voice. And therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How did Christ welcome me? Well, what does Romans say? When we were still sinners, Christ died for me. If Christ died for us, don't you think, don't you think the easy thing, don't you think we should welcome people? Can't we just welcome people? Can't we not worry about about their, 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 their hang-ups or their habits. What that means, how does that mean to welcome people? It used to be in the church that you had to believe right before you could belong. If you believed X, Y, Z, if you believed right, you said the right thing, said the right prayer, whatever, then, 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 maybe then you could belong. How about this? How about if we flip that and say, you know what? You can belong. You belong here. Or you belong across the street normally. You belong there. And then we'll worry about you believing right. But let's get you belonging first. So what does that mean? How does that play out in real life? That means if you're having sex before marriage, you are welcome here. That means if you got drunk last night, and the night before, and the night before, you're welcome here and there. That means if you have a nasty habit that you can't quit, that you've tried to quit, you are welcome here. That means if you're still trying to figure out things, I mean hard things, life things, things that sometimes we don't even talk about in church, you know, gender or, 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 or even sexuality or where you're, you're welcome. You don't have to, it doesn't mean, we talked about a couple weeks ago, <laughs> Loving does not mean you have to agree 
it means that you're going to love. It means you're going to love, and you're going to love, and you're going to love, and, and you're going to see that God can work in the midst of that. It's saying, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are welcome. Jesus was a friend of sinners. That didn't mean he agreed with everything the sinners were doing, but he was their friend. Can't we do that for our neighbors and our friends? Love one another. That's what he's talking about. Oh, my goodness. Those food trucks, they're waiting. we got to get going, and I'm only through verse 7. And I still got chapter 16. All right. Paul gives us a prayer, verse 13. Skip ahead to verse 13. I read it last Sunday as our benediction, so I won't, I won't, I won't go into it. Verse 13, may the God of hope, anybody need hope today? Fill you with all joy. Anybody need joy today? That, that And peace. Anybody need peace today? In believing, so you get joy, hope, peace in believing. Believing what? Romans 10, 9. If you believe in your, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Joy, peace, hope comes through believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, who needs the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you? Don't you want that? Yes, of course. It may abound in hope. So many in our world are hopeless. So many in our world are joyless. You've seen it. You're, you work with folks. Some of them are your neighbors. They're wound so tight. It seems like anything can set them off. People are just wound tight, hopeless, joyless. Hope and joy and peace comes through Jesus Christ. We can have it. That's what he's saying there, that there is hope and joy and peace. Well, then Paul goes on. He talks about his, his relationship with the Gentiles, and he talks about his travel plans. He's going to Spain, and, and, and that'll be wonderful. And then he gets to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, you might read it over, and it's kind of like his thank yous. And it's like when you start saying thank you to somebody, then you've got to say, oh, I thank them, but so I better thank them too, and thank them, thank them. And so oh, there goes a piece of note. But it's really kind of interesting he starts off, talks about his sister Phoebe, not his biological sister. You on chapter 16, verse page 70? Not his biological. It's like uh, in the church where I grew up, a little Nazarene church. We'd call people brother and sister. Brother Kip, he always had candy in his pocket. Sister Vale, you know, Brother Van Dyne, they were all part. They was just saying, hey, we're part of the family, Sister Phoebe. And verse 3 talks about greet Prisca and Aquila. It's probably Priscilla and Aquila. Probably his, his uh, uh, he's just a nickname for her. Oh, thank you, Adeline. Look at that. You are a wonderful, wonderful girl. <laughs> she is so stinking cute. Oh, my goodness. So Prisca and, and Aquila, they were his, his friends. In fact, they were fellow tent makers. They, uh, uh, he says they risked their, their neck for him, so they really helped him out. He also says, let me get back to my page. Then there's Apennatus in verse 5. That's a trivia question for you. Who's the first convert in, a in Asia? Apennatus. And then in verse 6, he talks about Mary. There's a million Marys in those days. Who knows which Mary he's talking about. He gives 24 names plus Rufus's mother. That's how he calls the one lady. It's Rufus's mom. I've been there. I used to be Pastor Rob. Now to Alex's friends, I'm Alex's dad and I'm Ben's dad. I'm poor Rufus's mother. Who knows? You know, that's what. So 24 names plus Rufus's mom. What does all these names tell us? It tells us this, that Roman church was a diverse church. There were Romans and Greek and Hebrew names. There was rich and poor, slave and free, weak and strong. And it made up the church. Saying that's who we need to be. That's who we need to be. 
And then do you see what he tells them? Verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. We've got a kissing booth set up right over here. After the service. You can smooch one another. No, we do not. Really, it's Paul's way of saying we're family. The church needs to be family. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter where you're at in the journey. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, if you're just dipping your toes in. Doesn't matter if you've got it all figured out. Doesn't matter if you've got got uh, uh, hang-ups or habits. Listen, we all have hang-ups or habits. And we need to welcome one another. Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. All of us need Jesus. And all of us need to help one another. And that's a loud motorcycle. He gives, he gives his closing remarks on page 72. And, he, and this is, he could have been writing in the 21st century again. Do you see that at the top of verse 17? I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Anybody causing divisions these days and creating obstacles? Oh my goodness. That create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. Such persons do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And he goes on in verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. What does that mean? It means you're going to win. Jesus Christ is going to win. Just like in in that passage of uh, in Ephesians 6 when he talks about the armor of God Satan has schemes Satan's uh, 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 flaming arrows are coming our way but here he says says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet you would have thought he would have said will crush Satan under his feet right that's what you do you, you nasty old snake you crush it under your feet we had a snake in our backyard yesterday you did did you hear Carla screaming you could have probably if you were outside about 630 <sighs> Here he's saying, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. What does that mean? It means that you will win. If you're with God, you will win. In troubling times, these were troubling times that he's writing to. Nero is the emperor. He's writing to brand new baby Christians. It's troubling, troubling times. And he's saying, you will win. If you stay together, you're a diverse group. If you stay united, if you're lifting up one voice in praise, if you're, if you're being the people of God that you're called to be, if you stay together, you will win. That's the same message for us. That's exactly the message for us. Are these troubling times? You know they are. There's so much junk going on in this world today. Are you kidding me? But the truth of the gospel is, if we stay with Christ, we will win. Now, I've got to tell you, this is the last sermon. These are the last words from the book of Romans. They're the last thing that he's going to tell this group of believers, brand new baby believers, diverse church, rich, poor, strong, weak, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, all the rest. This is it. This is the last, this is the last bit. And for our church next week, we're going to go into the, uh, we're going to do a, a small series on the soils, the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. But history tells us what happens to this little group of Roman believers. Do you want to know what happened? It's good news. 
you know, the, the church exploded in powerful ways through the church in Rome. And by it took it took a few centuries, right? But eventually, in the year 311, Christianity became the religion of the of the empire. And people were coming to Christ left and right between between Paul's writings and then. And you know how that happened? That happened because they they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and they lived it out. That part, okay, I get that. It also happened because they were being eaten by lions. If you know your history, you know that. The church was proclaiming Jesus and the empire was throwing them in the lions in the Colosseum. And guess what? They kept on preaching Jesus. And the empire kept throwing them to the lions or crucifying them and they kept preaching Jesus. They kept living out this gospel that Paul has just been proclaiming. Your love must be genuine. Remember he said that in Romans 12. It needs to be evident to all. You need to be together and united. And maybe you'll get fed to the lions. But keep on. And I think the message for us is the same message. Doesn't mean that life is always easy. What our world needs, our joyless, hopeless world, needs people, people like you and me, who are willing to say, I'm, I am with Christ. And even if that means sacrifice, I am with Jesus. And I want my neighbors and my coworkers and my fellow students, I want them to see Jesus in me. And in this crazy, mixed up world, I want them to see that there can be someone who's loving and kind and, and filled with the Spirit and is proclaiming the good news. Those early Christians, those people that Paul is writing to, it was not easy. I don't want to sell you a bill of goods. It was not easy. These names, these 24 names, plus Rufus's mom, I don't know if they survived. Maybe they were tossed in with the lions, but I know this. They kept on proclaiming. And they couldn't deny, eventually people couldn't deny their love was genuine and their hearts were pure and their faith was strong. And they couldn't break it. The same will be true for us. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, if we are committed to living out this Christian life, including sacrifice at times, but trusting in Him always. His closing remarks, I'll leave you with this. He says, Now to Him who is able to strengthen you, our God can strengthen you. Are you feeling weak and weary today? Our God can strengthen you. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all the nations. Everybody needs to hear about Jesus. According to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen.